You've found the podcast where driving matters. Whether you haul, commute, or cruise, we want you to love what you drive. We're here to help you find usability and fun. From first-time buyers to jaded experts, we believe everyone is one great car away from being car-obsessed. I'm Paul. I'm Todd. And this is the Everyday Driver Car Debate. It's Tuesday. It feels like weeks since we did a podcast, but it's only been a few days. It's because we did it early last week. We were shooting last week. There's much more shooting to come. And I, as a film guy, I have to go here quickly. And it <laughs> okay. relates. Okay, good. You know, the Oscars were this weekend. Yeah. The Academy yeah, Awards, yeah. whatever you want to call them. They were this past weekend. And uh, I actually didn't watch them. But we've all seen the slap heard around the world by this point. I, uh, <laughs> yeah, I didn't you, watch if, them either, but if you it's haven't, hard to miss. If you haven't, I don't know where you've been because I'm sure your phone blew up with some sort of meme as a result of Will Smith smacking Chris Rock and then winning an Oscar. It was a weird night. But I bring it up related to our show because I use the Oscars as a reference point for a recommendation I sent to YouTube two months ago. Mm-hmm. Yes, I didn't use the Oscars as like, let's have an award show. I used the Oscars as a let's have a best of the best that YouTube could curate. And I wrote a letter to YouTube and I sent it through the actual official channels for where YouTube wants commentary. And I got crickets, nothing, not even acknowledgement of the fact that I sent it. I know YouTube's massive. I know I am not like the first person on the list. I get that. But I waited two months, and because I referenced the Oscars, I thought, okay, now is the time, and Paul agreed with me, now is the time for other people to read this. So I have posted it as an open letter to YouTube. If you go to the YouTube tab on our website, everydaydriver.com YouTube tab, at the bottom there it says, read our open letter to YouTube. This is not some scathing takedown of YouTube. It's not, this is why the film industry is awesome. It's an idea that we had that I think would be really cool for YouTube to be able to help more people see more great things. And I would love it to be everywhere. I would love YouTube to be unable to avoid it. It would be as common as the meme you're seeing from yesterday's Oscars because I think the idea is sound. It is, yes. Yes. Anyway, that's my weird tendril connected to the Oscars. I was like, oh, I should release it around the Oscars. Then the Oscars happened and did that stuff. And I went, I should still release it, but that's a little weird. But that's Mm -hmm. okay. But what I love about it is, A, how well-written it is, but B, that it just celebrates good content and promote the people that are doing good content rather than waiting through your entire stack of stuff trying to find good good Mm -hmm. content. And then four hours have passed. Well, and also the fact that YouTube is becoming more and more just about how much content can we spray at the world. And I truly believe A lot is the answer. Yes, more. More than anyone could ever encounter. But I truly believe that channels get locked, channels across the board, channels with huge subscribers, channels with no subscribers get locked in. This is as many people as we think are going to watch this. Mm-hmm. And there are always standout videos that everyone makes. Any channel out there makes a standout video. For sure. Where is the opportunity for that standout video to be elevated? And that's what my idea is about. We now have an auto parts partnership with carparts.com. CarParts.com is the smarter way to shop for auto parts. Their fast, mobile-friendly experience makes it easy to shop for the parts you need when you need them. Just enter the year, make, and model of your vehicle, start shopping, and start saving. It really is that simple. CarParts.com stocks their own inventory, cutting out the middleman and passing the savings on to you, and they're offering even more savings for our audience. Whether you've been in a collision, working on your project car, or need to catch up on maintenance, visit carparts.com slash everydaydriver for 10% off of $100 or more on select brands. Get the right parts right now at carparts.com. 
We have also got a great topic Tuesday for you. Yes, which, I'm grinding my teeth a bit, but it's out there, yes. <laughs> which speaks to how many people are thinking about this very thing. Mm-hmm. So much so that two people from opposite sides of the planet, I believe, we don't know where Emmanuel is living. And opposite perspectives as well. But yes, two different perspectives asking for either what is the future nest egg car or the future survivor car mm-hmm. to the point on what should I invest in? Because we've all seen it at this point. Mm-hmm. Cars are selling for absurd dollar amounts <laughs> and it almost doesn't matter what it is anymore. It's crazy. So the question, generally speaking, is what should I do about it? Should I do something about it? Mm-hmm. Could I? What cars would be eligible? Yeah. What could happen? And of course, you and I are going to have the definitive answer. That's right. right. The definitive answer is coming. We're going to be just like, here is the car. And everybody's going to go buy it. And it's going to sell on Bring a Trailer (laughs) for $400 And you will be set. You Mm -hmm. can eat on that. Yes. Yes. Uh Uh-huh. Sure. First email is from Emmanuel F., who says, we know that this might be a taboo subject on the podcast, but pretend for a moment that you have an abandoned barn (laughs) and you now need a car to put in it. Okay. What new car might give you the best return on, on investment 25 to 30 years from now if you never drive it? Oh, sorry. <laughs> I just I can't read that sentence and not respond. There's okay. Like, on, onward. Yes. I'm, right. I'm trying to buck up here. Now, Emmanuel imagines that as cars go electric and manuals unfortunately die out, there will be a serious market for the astute car collector with a nostalgia bug mm-hmm. as long as gasoline is still readily available by then. It will be. What, yeah, absolutely. What will be the best low-cost investment with the highest return? Mm. I mean, you're asking you know, for the stock tip of all He's time here. He's asking for us to talk about investment and good financial <laughs> exactly. planning. That's the wrong podcast. <laughs> exactly. Well, Manuel, I was thinking of the guy who recently he sold the undriven Civic SI from the 90s. What would be the equivalent of that? Should he prioritize mm. buying and vacuum sealing a BRZ or a GR86 over maxing out his IRA contributions for the next few years? Whoa. Okay. Okay. Before we answer, let's go on to the second email. You know what? That's that's smarter because that'll, that'll allow me to calm down a exactly. bit. First email. Okay. Yes, Emmanuel. We're going to get back there, Emmanuel. I promise. <laughs> this one is from Michael S. in Sydney, Australia, who writes to us. He's been an avid listener for about three years. Michael, thank you for writing. Yeah, for sure. Good to hear from you. He has a 30-minute drive each way to work, so he rotates between us and the Smoking Tire and Spike. He says it's a pretty sweet setup. He, he has various podcasts. So I, I love that we're part of your rotation. That's really thank cool. You. Thank you, man. He is 41, married with three and seven-year-old daughters. He is finally, get this, mortgage-free. Wow. No small feat in the second least affordable city in the world. Mortgage-free in Sydney, is a, I, that, that has to be a small oh, group of people. Yeah. I don't doubt you, Michael, but I mm-hmm. thought San Francisco and L.A. and New York were way up there. But, of course, any big there, city yeah. these mm-hmm. days. But Michael says, given his past financial obligations... His car history could best be described as cheap thrills. Okay. In no particular order, the highlights include an 04 Ford Falcon XR6 Turbo, hmm. 06 Mazda RX-8, the 2010 Skoda Octavia RS Wagon. Those are cool. 08 Suzuki Swift Sport, 2007 Peugeot 207 GTI, and a 2010 Holden Caprice LS2, as well as a variety of early model Holden Commodores and Ford Falcons, all of which are worth a fortune these days, he says. Mm. <laughs> and that got him thinking. <laughs> yeah, okay. Now what? Mm-hmm. His current ride is an, a 2012 APR Tune Volkswagen Passat V6 all-wheel drive. He loves the practicality, that narrow-angle V6 howl, the fact that it has launch control, and a low 5-second 0 to 100, 100 kilometers. Yeah. Mm-hmm. He'll probably move on, it, on from it in a year or so. He's looking at a diesel BMW X6 and tuning it up to about 400 horsepower because that's what you do with diesel <laughs> Because X6s. you have a disease. I understand. You have the car disease. Welcome. <laughs> well, he says all this got him thinking, what newish car could he buy now mm-hmm. and keep for 40-plus years? 
Okay. Ooh, he loves the idea of being the custodian of a gasoline-powered vehicle or internal combustion engine vehicle yeah. and taking out his grandkids in it someday. By the 2060s... Okay, sure. Why not? Let Let's that talk settle like that. in your brain. Yeah. Anything okay. from 2010 to 2020 should be a head-turner. So he's open to ideas. Mm. His thinking is that it doesn't need to be a performance variant, but it should be a rewarding drive, have some credibility, be easy to maintain, and seat four people. Okay. A little mix on the four people, but nevertheless, yeah. let's continue. He also thinks it should be naturally aspirated for longevity, preferably manual transmission, and easy to service. His mm. budget for this, this 40 year, the, the this, plan, the 40 year storage plan, yes, is about $20,000. So a late model warm hatch down to the late 2000s, something expensive prestige, yeah. E55 AMGs or something like that. He says all that seems to be within range. And at this point, everything's on the table. What would we preserve from the current era to show the grandkids one day? Hmm. Oh, wow. Okay, you and I are now projecting into the future and giving financial advice, which is a terrible, terrible one-two punch. But you have to admit, it's always fun when fans listen to prior podcast episodes and said, hey, you guys, you said this. How wrong were you? Yes. Or are you clairvoyant? In, in how 2060, did you, how did you know? not only do I not want to think about how old I am, <laughs> but in 2060, somebody's going to look me up and be like, so you said this back in 2022. Yeah, exactly. Oh, gosh. Okay, anyway. Um, First, I'm going to start with Emmanuel. Okay, first off, I have to candidly express how much I hate the idea of buying a car to not drive it. It it makes my skin crawl. It really bothers me. And the idea of you doing it instead of your IRA, I feel like that's a bad choice on both sides. That's a hard no from both of us. I Do not mm, buy a car and not contribute to your future savings. Now, I, I see what's happened. You saw the undriven Civic Si from the '90s sell for stupid money on Bring a Trailer, and this is my problem with Bring a Trailer. They have created a market. They have created a, a whole community of people, many of whom are quite acidic in their commentary toward owners and the people trying to sell their cars and just trying to, to sell their car. Well, yeah. but and, and that's that's all fine and good. And I, I they've created a whole other thing for themselves, and it's amazing to see their growth. I remember when Bring a Trailer was literally called that because the car you were buying didn't run. Now it has yeah, become it has synonymous with, with the undriven yeah. car that's never been driven and is covered in plastic. The, prob- the number one problem that I have with Bring a Trailer is this. When something sells for stupid money on Bring a Trailer, everyone thinks that's what those cars are worth now. Well, that just means my 928 is worth $1.9 million. I've heard that you have a million-dollar 928. Because Tom Cruise. So if, so if you have a version kind of like that, you should get stupid money. And I'm susceptible. I'm fully susceptible because I've looked on Bring a Trailer and seen 300ZX prices and gone, I could get it. And then I stop myself and go, whoa, <laughs> whoa, 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 whoa. Exactly. Emmanuel, you are planning based on the anomaly. The anomaly right now. Well, but but you're using the Civic Si as your reference. Yes, and and this is what I'm concerned about. Is I don't think anybody, and I am not smart in this area, but I don't think anybody in the financial planning area would suggest you plan based on the anomaly, and that's what's going on at Bring a Trailer. So you're talking about buying a car to sit on it. Now there have also been a lot of articles outside of Bring a Trailer for a second. A lot of articles, Forbes and elsewhere, talking about if you had bought these cars in the '90s or put money in these stocks in the 90s, the cars would have done better. 
which has us car people going, I should have bought a lot of cars. Of course. We, because we're looking for an excuse to buy cars. But the flip side is... <laughs> and also, it's not too late. Yeah. The flip side <laughs> is you're now buying a car to not drive it. Mm-hmm. You're buying a thing. You bought a house to not live in it. You bought a car to not drive it, shoes to not walk in them. Can I keep going? That just It hurts me as a driver. It hurts me as somebody that wants people to drive great cars. I have a lot of problem with that. <laughs> I, I, I'll, I'll stop. I'll stop there for now. But I, I have I have a headline that I think you could shop under, but it it hurts me. We see future cars, especially especially electric cars, not representing the cars that currently exist or have existed in the past. Explain that better. It is unclear as to when an electric two seat sports car that's lightweight, has great handling, and good range will be invented. That's a fair point. Yeah. Short of resto modding a Porsche 944, which I just saw somebody did retain the fifty fifty weight balance. I don't know about the range, but they're still taking an old car and putting new Tesla guts in it. Yeah. Yeah. It's not brand new from the factory with a warranty. Mm-hmm. And it took a lot of work to get there. Mm-hmm. Now, all of our cars in our eight car cheap sports car challenge comparison, because it doesn't seem like car companies are investing in this direction anymore, with the exception of Toyota and Mazda, are my go-to cars mm, because they're inexpensive to buy right now. Yes. But think about it. Two-door, two-seat, manual transmission, lightweight, and most are convertibles. The BMW mm. Z4, the Z3, the Mercedes SLK, Porsche Boxster, Pontiac Solstice, the MX-5 Miata, and the MR2 Spider. The 350Z is an outlier, only pristine examples here because there are a lot of 350Zs and they're good. They're just not the standouts these others are. But watch our eight-car cheap sports car mm-hmm. challenge. We never set out to create a definitive video. It was more like, hey, you want a fun sports car? Yeah, Here's your go, cheap options. Go do it, yeah. But this could also apply to the future mm-hmm. because of those cars not being available. And we don't foresee any time, like I said, when an electric two-seat, great handling, lightweight, fun sports car will be invented. Mm. I hope it's coming. But there's no guarantees at this point anymore because electric motors and torque overcome the heaviest of vehicles. True, and so nobody's thinking about we should make this lighter because it's just so powerful anyway. Who cares? Right. Yeah. And also, because straight-line performance is the thing with electric cars. Everybody nails the throttle and giggles like an idiot. Well, and then YouTube will get a million views for the latest drag race of the whatever, even though that has nothing to do with fun. I mean, yeah, okay, I beat him, but fun driving is, drag racing is this tiny little fraction over here. Fun driving is a big pool. (laughs) It is. And I'm specifically naming cars because I think these are the ones that will go up in value. It's going to take a long time, 40 plus years, Michael, Mm. to your point. Mm. The ones that were above our $8,000 price cap were the Corvettes, C4, C5, C6s, maybe C7s. Mm -hmm. The Honda S2000, the Porsche Cayman, the Nissan, Todd, your car, the 300ZX, Z cars in general, Mm -hmm. Mazda RX-7s and RX-8s, Toyota Supra, especially now the A90 and the GR86. Mm. Sure. Those will go up. Because they're missing from today's and what we see yeah, the future yeah. availability of cars. Again, I hope to be wrong. I welcome, yeah. I will travel to Wrongville. <laughs> President you. <laughs> Mayor me. But I don't see these cars coming yet. If they do, all the cars I just named, irrelevant. Mm. It won't matter. They'll just be the relics of the past. Mm. That's how we used to do fun, lightweight, two-seat convertible sports cars that handle great. This is how we now do them. Yeah. Yeah. There will be a group of people who still want to drive them simply because of sound and styling and that manual interaction, which is totally valid. 
Secondly, all the pristine cars with low mileage that we see selling for crazy dollars doesn't matter how nasty the car was to begin with. I don't mean the condition. I mean the model itself. Mm-hmm. Sure. Seeing K cars from the 80s. Like, yeah. Yeah. Hey, why did you not drive? Well, we know why you didn't drive it, but you know now you're selling it and it's getting crazy money. But here's the deal. I see the sustained need for people willing to work on old cars, not just train mechanics, but after my experience with a 928... <laughs> <laughs> yeah, experience. minorly experienced people willing to pull info off the internet to research, find parts, and learn how to keep these cars going. Mm. And therefore, if that's the case, there's no need to put a plastic bubble around your future car. Mm. But you're looking at it when we all are from an investment standpoint. Yeah. So therefore, yeah. only the high dollar cars will. Every Ferrari, especially the 555 Marinellos and the 360 Modenas, almost all Porsches. And a side note, I recently posted that mint green 992 GT3 on yeah, Instagram yeah, yeah. Well, everywhere. I remember, yeah. While I was visiting the dealer, I was getting some warranty work done on the Cayman. I just was killing time waiting in the showroom, and they had this mint green GT3. Of course, you know, mopping up the drool and taking photos of it and going, man, you know, I'd love to have this thing. And then I found out how much they're asking. Mm. But before that, I found out because of the Felicity Ace, the boat that went down. Yes. All the Porsche dealers were forced to contribute inventory to the dealers that were now non-supplied that, ha- that took the hit. Doesn't matter what Porsche model mm, it was. we got to spread the wealth. Everything. So they were forced to contribute inventory to make up for the shortfall. And then they got two cars in return. They just got them on trade for just mm-hmm. as part of this giant horse trading thing that ha- happened between all Porsche dealers. Okay. They got a 992 Turbo S that was already sold for $399,000. <laughs> I can't believe that. And this aforementioned mint green PTS GT3 that was asking, they were asking three thirty nine, three hundred thirty nine thousand dollars for a 911. I mean, after I, they revived me with smelling salts. I like 911s and they're incredible cars, but that is, that's all. It's not quite, but it's almost three times the MSRP. I was told they had four buyers lined up and in the time frame that I was there was, was about 15, 20 minutes. It sold. No. Which means somebody no. paid that or more oh to get ahead of the gosh. other three buyers. They will continue to go up. All Porsches will. But that's not why we buy Porsches. Yeah. That's not mm. why Porsches and Ferraris exist. Ferrari is a separate thing. But I've always looked at Porsche as the attainable, democratized sports car for everybody. Mm-hmm. And I say that because we drove a Porsche Boxer that was about $8,000. Yeah, and it was a Boxster, yeah. and it was a Porsche, and it was glorious. And it was fun to drive. Craziness. Yeah. Twenty-five thousand dollars, thirty-five thousand dollars Caymans. Awesome. They're glorious to drive, and so it's attainable. Doesn't matter. Brand new. Brand new. Yeah, they're yeah. not anymore <laughs> because Sadly they've been not. affected by so much stuff in the market. But I also think old Mercedes convertibles. Hmm. Also, all the good BMWs, like the M3s, especially that E90 M3 with a manual transmission. It's four-door V8 manual. Oh, sure. Hi. Yeah, well, that works well for Michael. Yeah, for sure. Yes. How about Mini Coopers, especially the JCW Mini Coopers? I saw a Mini Electric in town in Park City. I went, they're here. Yeah, yeah, they've been around for a while. (laughs) I know they have. You couldn't really buy them. They were like these things you could lease for a while. It was crazy. It's like, they're here. Oh, my gosh. And then, of course, Toyota Land Cruisers and Forerunners. But let's leave cars aside because my headspace for the both of you is what if you stockpiled parts instead of the cars themselves? Oh, no. (laughs) Now, this could be a 
patently terrible thought. Mm. This could be horrible. Fill that bard with shelves and an inventory system. But hear me out. Mm. I, I just want to follow the through line on this idea, and then we okay. can then we can throw it away. I, and I, I like it so far. Call Keep it a bad yeah. idea. It might be really bad. But I'm almost more interested in parts, reverse engineering and scanning, the original data files, new material and manufacturing techniques, the assembly instructions, and tribal knowledge about those cars, mm. especially because shows like SEMA continue to grow exponentially. Sure. Yeah. 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 We keep talking about investment cars. What about investment parts and future support? Because in 40 years, guys, will anybody really want to buy a 2012 Tesla Model S 85 kilowatt in brown? No. No is the answer. Not even in red or black. <laughs> They're just not going to want that car. That's going to be off the table. Therefore, who are you going to find to work on your 1979 Alfa Romeo Spider Veloce Roadster or your 2006 Ford GT or your 2015 Mitsubishi Evo 10? Mm. Who's going to work on them? Where are you going to find parts for those cars? This is a question. Because yeah. I think the cars, we've proven the cars will still be around. People will take care of them up until they can't because no parts and support and tribal knowledge and all of the rest of the stuff. You know who you're reminding me of? <laughs> Uh-oh. There was a guy, and this is, uh, th again, this information is 20 years ago that I first found this out. So th there was a guy, and he's now, you know, probably close to 50 because he was in his late 20s, early 30s when I first heard about him 20 years ago. The guy that is Jay Leno's steam car mechanic. Oh, yeah. Now, why did a guy in his late 20s, early 30s know anything about steam cars? Because his grandfather was a master mechanic on steam cars and taught his dad and his dad taught him. And then somehow, somehow in the pantheon of the universe, <laughs> this guy bumps into Jay Leno and Jay Leno needs a steam car mechanic. Now the point I made to Paul at the time and I'm making it to you now is if this person had not found Jay Leno, what would have happened to him and that knowledge? Oh my gosh. There, he, there was one person in the world that needed a steam car mechanic and it's and Jay he found him. On a completely unrelated note, I'm starting a new TV series about car hoarding and hoarding parts, <laughs> and uh, it should go well. I, I have high hopes for it, and uh, we'll see if anybody watches. Emmanuel and, and, and Michael, I want to speak to you again just for a minute. The main headline I would say here for both of you is you need last-of-the-breed cars. That's the key thing. I, I know the Civic wrapped in plastic and that kind of stuff works, but cars that were the last of an era or were only made for a year— Okay. Because, like, I'll give you a great example. The BMW 1M was made for a year at the end of the 1 Series. Pick 2011 is the year. Okay. Yeah. But, but, but it was like the last hurrah of that era of that car. They made a crazy one-off for one year. Right. These right. are the things I feel like are the safest bets. So it's generally going to be a high-performance variant that has some sort of weird specialness about it. You put that away, that is most likely to go up. And it could be anywhere in the pantheon of, of price. I'll give you one that I think is a possibility, and that is the upcoming GR... Corolla. Okay. And I think the GR Yaris falls in this category too because it's things like the the old GMC Cyclone. Who has one of those anymore? And they're now worth money. They're all on Bring a Trailer. They're all on Bring a Trailer. You're right. Or, you know, the, the GNX, the Buick GNX. Those are worth money now because there weren't that many. Right, right. So you find a last of the breed or a special edition car. I think those are the ones to, to, that actually could go up in value. Now, price is probably your enemy in a lot of this discussion. But I did think for you, Michael, I liked your E90, you said, Paul. But I actually think... The E46 M3 is going nowhere but up indefinitely. It is a last-of-the-breed yes. car. It is the yes. definitive one from the definitive era of BMW. It is naturally aspirated, straight-six, manual transmission, hydraulic steering. Yes. 
It has known issues, but I think that's a car that's always going to go up. Now, Emmanuel's not going to find one of those to wrap in plastic. They've all, all already been driven, the ones that you can afford. Or if they've been wrapped in plastic, they're already like the price of multiple houses. But I think that's a good option. Out of your price range, but the ones that I really like that I connected with Michael on this are, I think, the 997911. Okay, good. The 05 yeah. to 2012, especially if you get the, the dot two, which I think is 09 and up. Um, the, the reason being, that is the last hydraulic steering naturally aspirated flat six 911. That's the last. There won't be another one. They're already all turbos. At some point, there will be a hybrid or an electric variant. They're not going back to naturally aspirated standard 911 with a hydraulic steering rack. It's not, that's not happening. So I think the 997 911 is on there. I think the Mustang GT350 is on there. It's a good one. Ford yeah. is not going to make another flat plane crank V8 and <laughs> shove it in a Mustang. <laughs> Said we already did that. We're moving on. Yeah. The Hellcats. Yeah. Get an appropriate Hellcat. Keep that nice. That's going to go up. Now, I'm above your bu- budget, Michael, but these are the ones that just struck me as I was thinking about it. Thinking last of the breed, the sports car alts. Lotus. The yeah. lease yeah. exceeds. They've already gone up. The Avora, the Amira. The Amira is already advertised as the last of the breed. That car is probably only going to go up. And then I actually think that the C7 Corvette is an investment play. Do you? Because they've made a lot of They made a lot. You've got to buy a, a specific, unique one. I'll give you an example. We had a Carbon 65 Z06 on a PCH piece. Yeah, that was pretty cool. That car's going up because yeah. it's a Z06 special edition. But the reason I think the C7 is a play is because it's the last front engine manual transmission VET. It's good. Now that they've yeah. jumped to mid-engine, even if they bring the manual back, which I hope they do, they, they've jumped. They've made the jump. It's the definitive front engine VET. Get a unique version of that. If you can do ZR1, I think that car is going up. It's it's actually all kind the of ZR1s nuts to drive. It's, it's actually not to... the one I would buy as a driver. I'd buy a, a, I'd buy <laughs> yeah. a Z06. The Z, ZR1's trying to kill you, actively trying to murder yeah, you. Yeah, that's the one you don't drive, I guess. But, if but, all the cars. Yeah, like, exactly. <laughs> this is the one you don't drive. Put and you that just in look because it's a monster that sits in the garage. And just, you open the door and it just growls at you and you close the door real quick. That's exactly. all. That's its whole purpose. It cut me just looking at Seriously. it. Seriously. But special versions of the C7 Corvette, I think those are going up. I mean, I realize I'm above your budget here, but Michael, I think the S2000 is going to keep going up. Last of the Breed. Yep. Yep. The Acura NSX is going to keep going up. Any of these that were, huh? They're not doing that again for both of you guys. Even if it's a car they're selling brand new right now, the one they're not doing again is the one that somebody is going to come out of the woodwork and buy later. (laughs) There's just never going to be that future where a car company, big or small, creates that, like you said, that weird moment in time Mm -hmm. thing with cobbled together parts because an electronic device should be perfect and work. We're used to our phones. It's Mm -hmm. just perfect and it works. Our laptops, whatever it is, they're already sorted. The software isn't, but the the, the device, the hardware, mm-hmm. it's it's good. You, you know what you buy. So there can't be this cobbled together and we put that motor with these batteries and we made the automotive equivalent of a lightsaber and it, yeah. it'll take your head off, but it has like two mile range. But holy cow, this Have thing's awesome. This? It's amazing. <laughs> you got to drive this thing. Speaking of <laughs> cobbled together tech, I have to go here. We have a press car right now that is the Infinity QX80. And the big change is the tech. The tech's been updated. Now, the interior is nice. The materials are good. It still has the big monster V8 in it. And the the V8, with that transmission, is the best thing about this big body on-frame truck. It feels old. It feels desperately in need of an update. Okay, this is the Nissan Armada done by Infiniti. We've driven it every year the past three years. This is a big tech update. 
Have you, Paul, plugged in your phone for Apple CarPlay? I didn't I, I, try. I did. I did. And, and okay, a couple of little things you have to know about us and about when we drive stuff around here. I don't know why. Somebody with technology knowledge is going to tell me why. Wireless Apple CarPlay is really intermittent in our area. We've driven all kinds of cars with wireless Apple CarPlay, and it disconnects. So I don't put that on any car ever. I plug my phone in because that is a hard wire connection. Sure. Okay. The QX80 takes upwards of five seconds to register anything you've told Apple CarPlay to do. Think of that for a second. I touched on music two, three, four, five. My music library came up. Oh. Everything on Apple CarPlay hardwired into the QX80 was that kind of delay. Yikes. You're talking about tech needs to work. This is a big tech update. By and large, it works great. I plug in Apple CarPlay, and it was like I took the slow bus. I don't know what happened. Yeah, isn't that interesting? That uh, QX80 is a bit representative of what Nissan is doing, which gives us high hopes, mm-hmm. in, a, in a way, for the upcoming Z. And we've seen it already in the Pathfinder. Frontier. We've seen it in the Frontier. Not doing brand new, fresh, clean starts. They can't afford to right now, but they're changing the entire lineup. But still, they've come out with a better product than the prior generation. Yes. And the QX80 can't come soon enough, the next generation of that. I agree. Our friends at Griot's Garage have got a new line of ceramic products to make your car care easier and more satisfying than ever. Start with the new Ceramic Wash & Coat, an ultra-slick formula that can be used with either the bucket wash method, which I like, or a foaming sprayer, which I also like, or a cannon, which I also like. We actually take Griot's Speed Shine with us on every single shoot. It's the ultimate for quick detailing, and it now has ceramic protection as well. Ceramic Speed Shine maintains a slippery gloss finish in between your main washing and protection days. And they even have ceramic trim wipes for long-lasting protection on plastic trim. Try any of these products or use them as your new wash routine. They are 100% guaranteed and all their liquid products are made in the USA. Don't forget to use the code EDRIVER when you order at griotsgarage.com. Our audience gets 15% off liquids and 10% off everything else. That's G-R-I-O-T-S. Enjoy the finest quality car care products you can buy at griotsgarage.com. Back into things we actually feel comfortable in and don't make me grind my teeth. And that is helping someone find a car. Traden wrote in. He's wondering if he should use all of his budget. It has increased to $65,000 absolute maximum. What does it mean if I picked above that? Anyway, he's asking us these questions. <laughs> wow, you did. Well, Traden seems like he's going to drive his car. He says, this new budget opens doors to cars that he loves but couldn't previously afford. His main debate is still between the Supra 3.0, assuming you can find one, or ordering a brand new Scat Pack Challenger. Cars he's considered with this new budget are the Charger or Challenger Hellcats. He does worry about those outside the warranty period, but it's a Hellcat. He could live with it. He wants a Hellcat so badly. He said his absolute dream car (laughs) is the SRT Demon. So the Hellcat of Hellcats is what he really wants. And he feels like the normal Hellcats could get close to the Demon, but he can't afford the Demon, but he really wants that car. Yeah. The other thing in that category is the Camaro ZL1. So big, angry V8s is what he's all about with ridiculous supercharged horsepower. This is his game. That's true. He thinks the seating position of the Camaro makes him feel like he's driving a fighter jet. I'm going to come back to that. So what I love about this is Traden listens. Yes. Because... You have already heard, even though I think the Super 3.0 is a little bit of a, a weird left turn, what he really wants is a big monster angry V8. And then he goes, 
but I have been listening. So what about a Cayman or a GR86? And I went, what? Well, he calls them oddballs. They are. Those are the usual suspects But from his perspective, those are oddballs for him. That's completely out of his perspective to look at a Cayman or a GR86 when you're shopping. You want a Dodge Demon and you bought an 86. These are not the same. (laughs) These are bookends of the sports car world. That's true. He mentions a Miata, maybe an MR2. He says they're hard to come by. But he says watching the comparisons on YouTube has made him really appreciate these cars, even though they depart his usual choices. Traden, that was delicate. They depart. They're not in my no, usual but, lane. But Traden, honestly, this this is this makes me happy because this is exactly what we're trying to do. Whatever lane you grew up in, and I, pun intended, as a car person, there's a lot of other stuff out there. I was raised with big Chevy V8s. It's true. And it was all about the power and the speed. And I also lived in Houston where it was just a straight line anyway. The power and the speed and what was going to be the most powerful look really cool and go really fast in a straight line. And over the course of my adulthood, as we started driving more and more cars, what I realized I like is the smallest possible thing I can fold myself into with a tiny little engine, but it's like a (laughs) go-kart. So you got to get out of your lane to discover what you really like. And I like that you're looking around as a result of listening to the show and watching the show. Thank you. I think that's great. I do too. I really appreciate that, Traden. But one thing missing from your email is the why. Yeah. Why do you want that demon? Uh-huh. Why? Mm-hmm. Is it bragging rights? Is it horsepower numbers? Is it styling? Is it the sound? Are you really trying to convince me you're going to take it to the drag strip regularly? Because that's mm. why it was built. Mm, true. True. Yeah. For $65,000, you have many options. Yes, you do. And I'm thinking of multiple cars. I like that you called our usual suspects the oddballs. Those are the odd choices. <laughs> but it's odd for him. I love that looking at them, though. Odd for him. You're yes. right. So, as you identified, V8s, but I thought you mentioned tech. You mentioned the fighter jet thing, so I think you like tech as well. But you have to define the why, first of all. Yeah. As you've grown and as you continue to grow in your driving career and experience more things, will you still like that demon? We still like that Hellcat, even the SRT. We, mm-hmm. You'll get over the thrill and the power and the sound and the glory and the noise and the boom. <laughs> yeah. But then what? Mm-hmm. Track driving, canyon, straight line speed, cruising, all of these? Mm-hmm. What about a BMW Z3 or let's say a really nice M Roadster? Oh, okay. I see where you went. And a Mini Cooper JCW. You got the best of rear-wheel drive. You got the best of front-wheel drive. You got two choices, two fun, interesting things. They can That Mini can haul stuff. You can cruise mm-hmm. in it, but it's a fun, scampery front-wheel drive thing. It's all snorty and growly. And then the M Roadster is your rear-wheel drive, huh. lightweight, okay. all right. chase corners and canyons and take that thing to the track and beat the snot out of it or something like that. Yeah. I'm wondering if you took that $65,000 and didn't spend it all. Mm. Whoa, and then I went and spent more. You and I just swapped brains well, for a minute. Anyway, I, I know. you're still going to get I guess there, though, aren't you? Don't spend it all in one car. I that, see. That's okay. my caveat. Got it. All right. Spend yeah, more yeah. and spend it on mm-hmm. two cars. Div- oh. Divvy up your 65. <laughs> spread it out. Make it okay. go further. Because I haven't heard the why. All I've heard mm-hmm. is it's the most. Yeah. I want it because it's the most. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But I guess then I'll have the most. And. Um, <clears throat> I want a demon because it's 800 horsepower. And I'll what? settle for a Hellcat because it's 700. Yeah, you're right. The most is key here. And then I can tell people I have the most, the mostest, mm-hmm. because of the most. And look at me over here in most land. Yeah. <laughs> Along those lines, I had this que- these questions for trading, and that is, it seems like you're looking for your fun car. And I love that. You have $65,000, and as Paul said, it's a lot of money. But you haven't told us anything about where you are. 
Are there corners yeah. in your area? Yes. We don't Maybe know. you live in a place like Houston, Texas, where it's all just straight lines. Maybe the only fun in your area is I just need the big growl so I can suddenly have the whole car wrench back because it suddenly goes really fast. Maybe that is your only experience. Oh, the ground wrenches. Yeah, there you go. The concrete we, wrenches. We moved the world, but car stayed still. <laughs> exactly. It just seems the other way around. Yeah. So maybe that, maybe that is the way that you will enjoy a car. And that's why you're looking at this And I cars. support that if that's it. Maybe that was just totally. an oversight and you already yeah. kind of knew that. We just don't. Yeah. And maybe you've already defined the why and that's you know leading you to the Hellcat. And anything. you mentioned the Cayman and the 86 and the Miata and the, the M2 and the MR2. You mentioned all of these things that are not the Supra. Not at all like a Hellcat. <laughs> you mentioned a lot of them, which makes me go, are there corners in your area? Mm-hmm. Are there fun roads you like to drive? Because we have driven every variant of the Hellcat motor. Yeah. And it is laugh-inducing. It is absurd. The supercharger whine, honestly, is one of my favorite noises in cars. The supercharger whine of the Hellcat is one of my all-time favorite <laughs> make noises. That ringtone. It's spectacular. My phone just growled and at me. some cars are better than others, but that supercharger whine is amazing. Okay? So I get that. Right. But that is the only trick. That is all that does. Mm-hmm. Have you heard the supercharger whine? Let me throw you back in the seat. Let me wrench the chassis and, and the earth around <laughs> while, we, while we put it to the floor in my Hellcat. Exactly. Because every time we drive a Hellcat motored anything on a back road, we say the exact same thing. This handles better than it should. We didn't say this handles amazing. <laughs> They all handle right. so much better than they should right? because they're huge and they don't belong at a back road being chucked into a corner. But if you said, pick your car for a fun canyon road, I'm never picking a Hellcat, right. anything. Right. So what are your roads? I'm very curious about that because a Cayman or an M2 are going to be far more versatile for road trips, canyon runs, track day, go fast, drive cross country, go get the groceries. Cayman and M2 are both more versatile than the Hellcat in all of those variants. But neither of them have the attitude of a big V8 muscle car. I mean, I could see a demon in the drive-through line of a, you know, something. Yes. It'll like vibrate the concrete yes, about six inches sure. to the right. You, you could just sit there and spin the wheels and, and bring the bring the building closer to you. It'd be it's simple. It's like jump the building closer. Yes. To you. So so I'm trying to figure what you want, but but then I was struck by two things. You want the big V8. Mm-hmm. But the thing you like about the Camaro more than the Hellcat is the fighter jet feel. And I landed on what I think is the car for you okay. because your budget barely touches it. And then I kind of pulled that back because right now in the current market. Because you spent more? No, because right now in the current market, your budget can't touch it. Okay. Base MSRP, your budget can. So I, I'm, I'm going to consider myself in the gray area trade, and I'm going to bring up what I think is the perfect car for you. Okay. V8, attitude, anger, and muscle, fighter jet feel, can still do corners. You need a Corvette C8. Oh, there it's you go. It's not on your list. There you go. That is your answer. You can almost afford one. MSRP, you can, but that's the problem right now. See, trading, you just got to spend more and get the actual uh, thing that you want. Mm, it's hard. I want to remind you guys of DriveShare from our friends at Haggerty. DriveShare is a car-sharing community that connects renters with the owners of cool cars. We're talking vehicles that elevate any occasion like a wedding or a special celebration or even a vacation. Or you can just enjoy a dream ride, a car you've always wanted to drive. That's why I put my Lotus Elise on DriveShare, and many people have loved driving it. 
list your car to earn some extra money knowing you're covered by exceptional insurance and roadside service. Owners and renters can both rest easy and enjoy the ride. Visit driveshare.com or download the app to rent or list a ride today. On social media, Ted Adam Green has a question he needs a lot of help with. For the life of him, he can't figure out what is going on at Mazda. (laughs) CX-3 versus CX-30. CX-5 versus CX-50. What's the real difference? Mm. And he's only asking because he's worried about MX-5 versus MX-50. (laughs) (laughs) I don't think they'll do that. I really don't. Ted, I'm here to help. You need to think like a product planner, not a car person. Mm, Okay. Just like we saw at Infinity. There's the QX50, but now there's the QX55 slotted neatly in between the 50 and the 60. It gives you opportunity for coming out with a different model. Mm -hmm. Same platform. It's just a slope back, or it's two doors, or it's four doors, or it's a little bit different engine, or it's a different style, or Mm -hmm. something. It allows for that opportunity. And in this case, what if there's like the MX55? It's the special edition with slightly more horsepower and the cool suspension, the better brakes, and the one you want, and it's 10 grand more. Okay, you could get the MX-50 now or the MX-55 with the stuff and the things and the yes. That's what Mazda is doing. All they're doing is allowing themselves to have a broader product portfolio by a simple little tweak to their nomenclature, their naming system. Extra zero on the back. That's all all that does. It doesn't change the build quality. It doesn't change the styling. It doesn't change what we love about Mazda. They're slightly different names. Okay, it still has the same goodness. We love the CX-30. We love the turbocharged version of it. They can go into all kinds of double digits now. Exactly, because can you imagine, (laughs) instead of the CX-30, or the CX-3, and that's a CX-3.1. That doesn't really wall off. That doesn't really work. But the CX-35... Could be different than the CX-30. Exactly. I we see where you went. 10 different model and variations just by adding a zero. Look How much easier did our lives get, That's product good. planners? They're just covering their bases and op- opening up the opportunities now with the future electric versions of whatever that, I- whatever mm-hmm. that is. It could be the CX-50E or the CX-51. or the CX- Wow. You know what I mean? So I see where you That's went. all they're doing is the product planners are in mm-hmm. charge of that nomenclature. Look at you. Michael Weitzel says, uh, he's asked a question that you and I are going to answer very differently. He said, what is the appropriate amount of time to spend washing or cleaning your car? He would like each of us to answer <laughs> so you understand the range between minimal and far too much. Uh, Michael, I, okay, I have two cars now. I'm a guy that I don't want to hand wash anything. And I now own two cars that require it. The Lotus requires it because it leaks like a sieve if you take it through anything with any kind of washer, water pressure. Okay, Like my, my poorly pressurized hose can get through seals on the Lotus. Okay, Yeesh. Yes, it was made in England. So I have to hand wash that. The Z car is just fragile. The paint is fragile. And so I'm not going to take it anywhere but my driveway. Okay. Okay? Actually, I do, I do take that one through spray washes. Not the brush washes, but the spray washes. Oh, you do? Well, you still I get a few drips from the T-tops. So occasionally, yes. Stuff, it, right? it seeps is the right word. Okay. So I, but we'll talk about the Lotus since that is a full hand wash scenario. I try to get in and out in an hour. I legitimately get in and out in about an hour and a half. And I'm now like, I'm starting to take too much time. And I got to move on. Could I do more? Sure. Do I do more? No, I do not. Well, you will be surprised to know that I give myself two hours. Oh, but that does include everything, including 
doing the the vinyl protectant, the yeah, Griot's yeah, vinyl yeah. protectant on the seals, yeah. and wiping everything down, and taking care of the black trim pieces and the tires, everything. In ninety minutes, I can do the thorough wash, and much of that time is spent on wheels. I want to get the wheels, the uh, wheel wells clean. Don't do I want to get the brakes, all the <laughs> brake dust off of there. So I spend a lot of time on wheels, and I do my wheels first. I know you do, yeah. Because then clean, soapy water always drips down mm-hmm. on them as I'm washing the car, and I can always just easily spray that off. So I spend most of my time on wheels. The wheels look great. And then always remember, never start on the sides of your car. Start from the top because of gravity. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Always start with the roof and work your way down. If you haven't seen my one bucket method car washing video, I produced that, gosh, two years ago now, yeah. three yeah, years yeah. ago. But nevertheless, two hours, I can do the full car, including trim and everything and wiping the inner door jams, getting everything really sparkly. But if you push on me, 90 minutes. Ooh, see, wow, I'm impressed. Carl Schultz says, when is it okay to buy another white car? I saw this. Never is the answer. But speaking more broadly, if you're looking at some specific car and the best one around is a color you don't want, do you buy it anyway? Ooh, only because wraps exist, only because you mm. can get it wrapped. Mm. And I can't tell you, oh, you got a deal on the car and spend that extra money you saved on the wrap for mm. three to $5,000 to change the color. But it is a great way to personalize your car. Sure. And if it truly is the only one and you're forced into it and you're, uh, you know, all right, think mm-hmm. of it as the canvas upon which you're going to apply the color. <laughs> you're right. Just like artists mm. do. Yeah. I mean, Carl, <laughs> I, that thing wrapped. I'm with Paul on this as well. I, my big question is, do you have to buy right now? Right. Is it really right. the only option? If you do, okay, I see that. I think color is that thing. Wraps, yes, they exist. You could also repaint it if you wanted to go that far. But the big thing is color is the thing on a car you're going to always see. There's no hiding from it. So if you don't like the color of your car, when my wife and I first bought an Acadia, the salesman really, really wanted to sell us a brown one because he had it on the lot. And I've, at one point, he was just like, stop with the brown. I'm not buying your brown car. Don't want brown. Stop it. <laughs> Let's see here. Shane M. says he knows this might be a little sacrilegious, but with a little time, are the beaver teeth growing on us from a design perspective? Mm. Like the Mona Lisa. You just compared the beaver teeth to the Mona Lisa. He did. He did. Yes. Not beautiful from a transitional perspective, but has stood the test of time. Is it possible that the teeth will prevail? May it never be so. Yeah. No. The Mona Lisa doesn't have eyebrows. True. And it is a pinnacle of artistry and magnificence. And yes, I, Um. I wouldn't call the Mona Lisa a, beautiful necessarily but as far as technique and and expression and the lighting i appreciate it so much mm. i appreciate so many things about the bmws with the beaver teeth just not the front yeah yeah I, everywhere else you walk around the rear like spot on those surfaces are great wow what a great you know surface transition from the a pillar down into the hood that's really nice looking the hood's great looking and then you go i I'll, I'll carry on with the mona lisa thought here okay because we can all look at the Mona Lisa, I think, objectively and be like, is that beautiful? Is she beautiful? Mm-hmm. I mean, now, the Mona Lisa is the Mona Lisa because we, the collective society, made it so. Yeah. Throughout history, we yeah. have all decided that is the big, vaulted, put on a pedestal, put it under the lights, behind the bulletproof glass, Mona Lisa. Mm-hmm. Conversely, the only way the beaver teeth go away is if we never say it's okay. 
If if we right. as as car people are right. all like, you know, I guess it's okay. Then BMW wins. They get to keep doing beaver teeth or whatever weird crazy <laughs> thing they want to take up next because you know what? We do know better and they'll come around. This is my line in the sand moment is the beaver teeth. I will not cross over the line and be like, you know, I'm okay with it now. Now, I will admit it's less jarring than the day it showed up, but it's still ugly. <laughs> okay, the Subaru WRX years that they went through when those were ugly, they're still ugly. We've just gotten used to it. Okay, so it's a it's a poor design on what is otherwise to to your point, Paul, a well-designed car with a what happened there. And if we all decide one day, you know what, I guess I'm okay with it, then they'll keep doing it. The only way they won't is if we just stand defiantly and don't buy it and say, that's ugly. There (laughs) There was some comment on YouTube not that long ago. People were like, can't we just get past that now? And I was like, if we get past it, they'll keep doing it. Yeah, it's almost like a permission slip yes right yes we can't say it's okay because then they'll make more (laughs) paris the thought shadow blue baby one says it seems that many new cars especially the fun ones are only available through an order program right now Mm. will we be talking about our recent order experience in more detail you're talking about the grda6 yeah he's puzzled and concerned about how this works if a driver doesn't test drive first could someone lose money after waiting months for a car that may disappoint them or doesn't fit I, losing money, you know, I don't think so because if you suddenly, if you order a car mm-hmm. and you get it and for whatever reason, you just don't like it, doesn't work for you. If you turn right around immediately and sell it and say, look, and, and you're straight up with a potential buyer, hey, the reason is, you know what? It just wasn't for me. It didn't like it, but this is what the going market is right mm-hmm. now. Yeah, yeah. And, you know, this is availability and, you know, this is what I'd like to get out of it. Barely any miles, fine. Of course, don't use a pre-order and delivery as your test drive experience. Yeah. But that's what I think is the question behind the question. That's what you're running into right now. So what we're going to have to turn to is forums and people may be willing and drive share and, mm-hmm. you know, trying to rent things and get some seat time as best we can. If there isn't something available to, to test drive first. I agree. I think the test drive remains vital. I've got a couple things on this here. The test drive remains vital. And I think what's going to start to happen in the U.S. is more there's a demo vehicle that you can drive and then you can order one of these cars. And so come that back. And, and, that, and that's, a, that's a European actually. idea that we're used to in the U.S. It's Saturday. I went down to the car dealer and I bought something off the lot. Right. Europe doesn't have space for all those monster car dealers. They just don't have that kind of space. So you go to your local blank dealer, BMW, whatever. Mm-hmm. And they have a demo car that you can drive. And then you sit there in the order configurator and you, you build your car and it comes. We're not used to that in this country. Right. And I think we're headed more toward there. And I think ideas like Tesla direct consumer are starting to change it. You're t- asking about our order experience. We, we're an oddball with the GR86. Full straight up disclosure here. We told Toyota we wanted to buy one. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. We went through our Toyota press contacts telling them we wanted to buy one. And they said, tell us what you would like the spec to be. And then they took our dream order and they matched it up with a car that was already scheduled to be built. So it's not like Paul and I sat down and went, we would like these things. And Toyota on the other end of an order thing built that car for every right. driver. It seems like it because they came up with a match that was yes, they did. spot on. Yes, they happened to nail it. But it wasn't it. quite that but it, way. But it wasn't that yeah. Paul and I, because I, I know I said we ordered it, and we did. that's why we talked about it that way, because right. we went through our Toyota contacts, but they were able, thankfully, to find what we were looking for in the already-to-be-built category. So that's why it worked. Right. But then the other thing that Paul said that I think is key here, 
there's a lot of this ordering going on. And when you order, you have to put in a deposit. But then when the car shows, you haven't signed a way to buy that car yet. That's true. Yeah. You can get there on the day and be like, no, mm-hmm. you can't. They will resell that car. I realize you ordered it your spec, but they will be able to get rid of it. Yeah, for sure. So I wouldn't, I wouldn't also fear that what if I order this car, I'm locked in. You're not locked in until you sign on the dotted line and drive away from the dealership. You do have some wiggle room. They will be able to get rid of it. And I think the ordering is going to become more common. Revs up is saying after the four point series concludes, do we plan to sell either our cars, the Nissan 300 ZX or the 928, or are they keepers? To be honest, Revs up, I haven't thought that far ahead. And mm. these cars are not in the category of the past two challenges that we've done where we've raffled them off. True. Because True. we knew that we'd have them for a year, get the content. Our mindset going into it was that. Mm-hmm. Whereas the 928 came into my life quite unexpectedly. Yeah, I was yeah. not thinking about buying a car. We did not have the four-point series planned. We were just starting the cheap sports car yeah, series. We were, and, and that's why I sat on it for yeah, nearly yeah, yeah. a year mm-hmm. and didn't tell anybody. I had the SLK for much of the time I owned the 928, and I was driving it here and there, but yeah. we were focused on that cheap sports car series yeah. and wanted to get that out there and finish the series off before we did anything. And then it, it was just a, a one-off. And... To be honest, what put me over the edge was when I went to look at the 928, I got to know the guy. He was very nice. He was moving to Gulf Shores, and his wife only let him take eight cars because eight cars fit on a transporter, and he had to sell the ninth. Unbelievable. And I said, I'll be your guy. I'm your guy. <laughs> I am Mr. Number Nine. <laughs> and, then, and then he said, I told him about the show, and he said, oh, all right, well, clearly you're a car guy. You had a 928 before. I'll cut the price from 15000 down to, to thirteen five for you because it's you. And I thought, <laughs> you know what? I bet you I park my money. If I buy this and I think, you know what? I've I've made a huge mistake, <laughs> even though I You have firehose money on it now, yeah. My sister whispered in my aunt. She said, look, there's a, another guy that just came on. We went to a small airport where he yeah, had a yeah. hangar and all of his cars in there. And another guy had just driven up to look at the car. And she said, if you don't buy it, somebody will. Mm-hmm. And you're parking your money. And you said, Todd, you're parking your money. For thirteen five. I'll bet you I can get out of that for at least that. So it's not like <laughs> you could get out of it for worst. what you bought it for. For, for I don't what know. I bought it for. So <clears> it's yeah. not the worst financial uh-huh. decision ever. Then now it is the worst financial decision ever, but it's my bad financial decision and I've really enjoyed it. I've loved having it back in my life and I could have bought a zillion other cars for the money I've put into it. Yeah. Yeah. I just love the thing. It's, this is why we're such all weird car enthusiasts and we like what we like and all right, maybe I'll get out of it at some point and you know, maybe we'll sell it, but it's because of how these cars came into our life. And as soon as I told Todd, he was like, crap. Yeah. I'm going to have to find a 300ZX. I started and looking. And he was half kidding. I yeah. think you were 51% kidding. And then you did start looking. And then we thought, what if it became the cars yeah. that we had? And what if we could make some content out of it? And then yeah. Yeah. that's how it snowballed. It Whole wasn't, uh, blossomed. Yeah. we're going to do four points in yes, the cars. You're right. You're absolutely so right. So that's how it came about. And so I think both cars will linger for a little bit until we decide, you know what? It's time. It, it grew out very organically. The, for me in the Z, I did feel, and I mean this as softly as possible, I did feel pressured. I had to go shop for one when Paul bought a 928. It was like, that does make sense as the next series. And then, then the reality <laughs> daughter was like, that means I have to go find it, buy one, and pay for it. <laughs> oh, no. So there was a lot of shopping for a long time. But the thing that dawned on me literally in the last couple of weeks, here we are in 2022, just the end of March, beginning of April, I got that Z a year ago, May. I've already almost had it a year. 
Crazy. Which seems crazy. I didn't think I'd had it that long, but I was like, yeah, we are. So this four-point series will go past a full year. And I bring that up because the series prior, the cheap sedans and the cheap sports cars, it was a one-year reality. And before that, I had Spot the Mini for a year. And before, well, also in there, I had a Lancer for a year. So I've been doing this one-year trade-off of cars for like five years now. The Z is going to be around for more than a year, just in order to get the four-point sure. series finished. Sure. Then I will take an assessment as to when it goes. It's not going to be, well, it has to go right now because we just finished the last piece. But at the same time, I yeah. don't see it as a forever car for me. I, I think if there's a car that I'm going to hang on to indefinitely, it will probably be the Elise. I was going to say, yeah. The but the, 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 and if I've got to make choices on a forever car, the Elise wins over the Z car. But I'm also not in like, okay, well, all right, we finished. We finished right. th- that video. So it goes on sale now. And these will be genuinely normally sold instead of raffled. Right. And if both of the cars, I think the Z is going up faster than the 928. I think you're only going to at least get so. out of what you paid for I, it. I, I need to get out of I know what I paid for it. <laughs> I need I mean, that so money I, back. And yes. I did not look at the 928 thinking, huh, I should totally get a pre-purchase inspection because this shouldn't cost me any money. I knew what I was getting into. Yeah, I knew that, and I had the thought like, eh, it'd actually be kind of fun to wrench on in a minor way. I didn't know how far <laughs> I was going to go. It'd be fun to pull the but, engine on the, what am I saying? Yeah. But I did think like, yeah, I could do a timing belt. It'd be cool to like improve it and, mm-hmm. you know, make it run just like a mechanic special and just have a cool classic Porsche. Yeah, I think that'd be kind of cool. <laughs> and then maybe just I have it for a year and I get rid of it and... Fast forward 18 it, months. Yeah. <laughs> Giant snowball rolling downhill. We got uh, 8.25.13 writes in on Twitter and says, do we plan on reviewing the Elantra N or the Kia Forte GT? said it's been a while. Lots of people have actually asked about the Elantra N, and we have one coming for season 11. So hang in there. Indeed. We sure appreciate all your questions. Thank you for your topic Tuesdays, your car conclusions, and yeah, most of all stuff. your car debates. Write to us everyday, drivertv at gmail.com. Mm-hmm. We're looking forward to next time. As always. Cheers, everyone.